All right. Welcome to another episode of One in a Million. I am your host, Roland Million. Uh, we're coming fresh off of another <clears throat> Celtics victory yesterday, 102 to 82. Um, there's going to be many topics that we're going to discuss today. Uh, first and foremost, we're going to jump right into the Boston Celtics uh, up against <clears throat> the Miami Heat. All right. Uh, welcome to another episode of One in a Million. I am your host, Roland Million. Today, we're going to jump right into the Boston Celtics versus the Miami Heat. We're fresh off of a Boston Celtics victory, 102 to 82, where Jason Tatum established himself. The loss of Marcus Smart was felt but not felt as much as anybody thought it was going to be felt. Derek White finally got a good game from him and stepped up. Uh, I mean, good in a sense where, you know, he did some of a lot of the little things. Um, uh, great, great hands, uh, moving his feet, um, trying to attack the boards, trying to be aggressive on the boards. Some of the little things that we needed for him to get done, he got done. Uh, he was aggressive looking for a shot. Now, he's not a shooter. He he doesn't shoot the ball well, but he does attack, and he does create opportunities for other people. Now, he still had open looks that he didn't make, but other than that, his aggressiveness during the game was what got us started a little bit because a lot of people, some people thought, you know, without the market smart in the game, uh, they're it would be difficult for us to get going, especially with the way that Derek White had been playing these past this past month. But Derek White stepped up and did what he needed to do, um, and he played his role. You know, that's that's what that's all you can ask from somebody of Derek White's stature is to play his role, not to do anything too fancy. Just be aggressive, pick your spots, move the ball a little bit, and defend. And that's what he did in this game last night. Um, Celtics series, it's been a little bit of an odd series, right? You had Boston go up and establish themselves early on in game one, and then Miami comes out with a firestorm in in uh, the third quarter of game one and just brutalizes the Celtics and abuses them. Then game two, the Celtics come out and flat-out abuse Miami. Now game three... Miami comes out and starts abusing the Celtics on their home floor. And the Celtics make a little bit of a comeback. Jalen Brown has 40 points. They make a valiant effort to come back after um, Jimmy Butler goes down. But we still lose. Game four, absolutely demolish them from beginning to end. Now, the, the issue here is there's been a lot of inconsistencies on both sides. Um, also, you know, I'm listening to a lot of people, and the, he, here's the deal with Jimmy Butler. <clears throat> Jimmy Butler is not your conventional NBA player, right? Um, he, he's not trying to be friends with everybody. Um, he, he's willing to go at you if he feels like you're not doing what is necessary, 
And because of that, he's gotten this bad rap from people saying, you know, like Jimmy Butler's not not the guy. No, he's just old school. Okay. And when you say he's old school, you can tell he's old school because anybody with half of a brain can see that Jimmy Butler was not 100% in that game four. But you know, here's the thing. Jimmy Butler's never going to say it. And when people come up to you and say, oh yeah, you know, the what was going on with your knee? He's not going to say it because he's not going to make an excuse. Okay. He's, he feels like that's an excuse, even though it's valid. Okay. You know, he, he got taken down during the game and he got injured and he didn't come back for the rest of the game. Obviously, something wrong happened if he didn't come back from the rest of the game. Jimmy Butler is probably one of the toughest dudes in the NBA. <clears throat> so if you think that that knee wasn't affected or that 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 leg wasn't affected because he played in game four, that's just you not understanding, okay? Because he was definitely hurt. He was definitely injured a little bit, but he came out to play. But that's what Jimmy Butler does. He's he's old school. He ain't got no excuses. He's going to come out there and ball. But I'm hearing people saying, you know, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, he's I, I've heard a couple people. Where's the Jimmy Butler that was in Miami? The Jimmy Butler that was in Miami played the full game. He had 41 in the first game. He had 29 in the second game. OK, he literally dominated the first uh, the second half of game one. And then in game two, he was trying, he, he was working hard. No one else was joining him. Okay. And now here we have game three. He's gone after the first half, only plays maybe 18 or 19 minutes. And then game four, you can just tell. You can just tell it wasn't the same Jimmy Butler. Now, obviously, he has another two days off, and I'm sure he probably got some rest because the Celtics were kicking their behind so badly that I don't think he really needed to play, and they weren't going to force him to play because they weren't going to make a comeback. So maybe that was a little bit of a rest that could help him with his knee, do whatever. But I don't want any excuses when we beat Miami, right? And I'm sure Jimmy doesn't want anybody to say, well, if Jimmy's knee was better, then we would have won. And that's why I love Jimmy Butler so much, and that's why I respect him, because he's willing to go out there, do the dirty work, grind, and not make excuses, okay? That's that's the type of player he is. Now, on to Dallas and the Golden State Warriors. Now, this is a series that, you know, a lot of people thought that it might go six, might go seven. Um, I even thought it could go six, but after game two and that comeback that they had, the Golden State Warriors, my mindset was they might go five. I, I'm just not that confident in what Dallas can do. As great a player as Luka is, Luka is not going to be able to do it versus the Golden State Warriors. Now, when I tell you you are getting massive amounts of production from everybody on that team, 
and I mean everybody on that team, everybody is playing their role and filling their role well, okay? You have guys, you have five guys in double figures. And it's not even Draymond. Now, Draymond has always been the facilitator, but you got five guys in double figures in that series. Steph Curry averaging 28, Wiggins averaging 21, Jordan Poole averaging 17. Klay Thompson hasn't even really gone off. He's averaging 16. Kevin Looney is averaging 13. 13, close to a double-double. Now, you talk about someone who plays his role well and does what he needs to do. Kevin Looney is that guy. And he doesn't get enough credit for the dirty work that he does, but he never complains. He goes out there and does his job. And he's someone who will get himself paid the next time he has a contract. He will get himself paid just off of these playoffs that we have right now. Now, in regards to Luka, Luka's in a bit of a tough situation, okay? Now, as good as Luka is, Luka was able to pull it out versus the Utah Jazz, able to pull it out versus the Phoenix Suns, playing with guys who were drafted in the second round, guys who weren't really studs, but he has helped make them better. And I think Jason Kidd has done a wonderful job coaching, but the Golden State Warriors are a different animal. You're talking about chemistry with the majority of people who have been there for years and who have been through championships for years. You, There is something said about championship experience. Championship experience does something to you. And I said this in my last podcast. It, it, it builds a confidence in you, okay? Not only does it build a confidence in you, but it it also makes you a better player, okay? Because if you know that you have been there, right, there's nothing that you're afraid of, right? Failures, failures are what help breed success, okay? You you go back and you think about you think about the, as many times as Abraham Lincoln failed in his life. You think about as many times as J.K. Rowling, the person who uh, created the Harry Potter series, had in in her life. You think about the as many times that Stephen King had in his life, being turned down by publisher after publisher. And then, here you go. You think about Michael Jordan, how many failures he had in his life. That's why they've become so successful. And you think about Golden State Warriors, they had their failures, okay? They had their failures, but they kept pushing. Finally, they got a championship, right? They came back. Everybody said that their championship was a fluke because a whole bunch of people were injured. They beat people that were injured. And they came back and they won 73 games. Now, mind you, they lost to um, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They blew a 3-1 lead and they lost. So... They go out and get Kevin Durant. Now, Kevin Durant, they win two championships with Kevin Durant. A lot of people were like, oh, well, what were they doing getting Kevin Durant and this and that? Now, I wasn't particularly happy about it either, but it is what it is. So they got Kevin Durant, right? Now, Kevin Durant leaves. After he leaves, injury after injury, they pick up D'Angelo Russell. They trade away D'Angelo Russell. They get Andrew Wiggins. 
They draft Jordan Poole, and a lot of people said that their time at the top was done. And you know who believed that their time wasn't done? The Golden State Warriors. Why? Because they've been there before. You got people who have been through the trenches together. You have the same exact core that won a championship before you even had Kevin Durant. And then you add in pieces like Jordan Poole, right? You add in pieces like Otto Porter. Just plug in the pieces and you continue to do what you're doing, right? I don't know how many times people have, you know, forgetfulness. They they have amnesia. When you think about people that have always said, you know, oh, certain teams are done. Certain teams are done, right? Because they've lost. And then they come back stronger than ever. You can't doubt somebody. Rudy Tomjanovich said it best when they were struggling. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. They were the sixth seed, had no home court advantage for any series in the playoffs. And they came out and won the championship, right? Now you have the San Antonio Spurs. Think about the San Antonio Spurs. A lot of people thought that the San Antonio Spurs were done after their 2007 championship. They lose in the first round, maybe three or four years later. Then they blow a 2-0 lead to the Oklahoma City Thunder. 2013, they lose to the Miami Heat. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, that might have been their last opportunity. They're getting kind of old, right? Especially in 2011, they said they were old and done. Here comes 2014. They plug a couple pieces in, Kawhi Leonard. And now it wasn't the Kawhi Leonard that we know today, but they plugged in Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, Boris Diaw, right? Patty Mills comes back. Now they have a solid group, solid core, and a team that is driven because the most of the core had already been there before. Now you just got to plug these little pieces in to get success. And that's what the Spurs did. And now here we're looking at it, deja vu all over again. The Golden State Warriors are one game away from going to another NBA Finals. 2015, 2016, 2017, 18, 19. Now again to their six Finals if they win, 2022. There is a lot to be said about that championship morale, that championship character, that championship poise, that championship confidence. There is a lot to be said about it. And you don't know about it until you've been in that situation. My college team, we used to go, we used to, you know, we didn't always start off great. My college team would start off down 10 or 15 points. And every single time we'd come back and we'd win the game. That built our confidence, right? Because we had been there before. We had a lead where a team was up on us by 20 at halftime. And I remember one of my teammates walking up to the, a dude on the other team because the dude was talking. And my boy, my teammate, looks at him and goes, you know y'all are going to lose, right? And he looked at us like we was crazy. And we said, we're going to come back to you in about two minutes left in the game. And we're going to come back to you and see if you, you still make that face. Two minutes left in the game. 
We're up 87-80. We walk right back up to him and he said, remember what we told you. You knew you was going to lose, right? You know you was going to lose. MJ said, hey, you know, anybody can talk trash when they're up. It's when you're down, you know, that's when you see who's really got the heart, right? And Golden State was down. Golden State was down. They had been through a lot. People were laughing at them. People were talking about, oh, Curry, look at Curry, nine and something, nine and 60 record, right? They missed the playoffs again after they lose in the bubble, right? Even J.J. Redick, the Golden State is a favorite. Klay Thompson hasn't played in two years. I don't think Golden State's going to the finals. And here they are one game away. I don't want to talk prematurely because they've blown leads before, but they're not blowing this lead. They are definitely winning this series, and they're going back to their sixth NBA Finals. Now, next topic up for discussion. I am I I see it all the time, and I just don't understand why um, people constantly decide to you know. Uh, it, it's crazy how people bash errors that came before them. I saw on a feed that someone had said that Nikolai Jokic is a better player than David Robinson ever was right now. Um, And it leads me to think that people don't really know what David Robinson was like. Okay. We're, we're, I don't like to do the numbers thing and I don't like to do, you know, the only go off of numbers thing because a lot of people do that. But let's go off of what David Robinson did as a player. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a scoring champ. He's a block champ. He's 10-time All-NBA, two-time NBA champ, rebounding champ. Eight times all defensive. He was an MVP, right? The defensive player of the year, rookie of the year. I don't know if I'd mentioned that he was a 10-time All-Star, but I'll, I'll mention it again. And he was on the NBA 75th anniversary team, right? So when you talk about players, a lot of people today think that somebody's offense is so, so good that it weighs it outweighs their deficiencies on defense. David Robinson was an incredible scorer. He could handle the ball. He could shoot the three a little bit. Now, they weren't shooting tons of threes back then, but in David Robinson's peak, he was shooting 35% from the three-point line. Okay? And in that very year, he was averaging 30 points a game and averaging five assists. Now, we're talking about a time where two dribbles – and a move was not considered an assist, where now two dribbles and a move is still considered an assist. We're not talking about the same errors. We're talking about it's either one dribble and up or no dribbles, and that counts as an assist. Okay? Now, in addition to that, David Robinson was probably averaging, I don't know off the top of my head, he was probably averaging three or four blocks. Okay? Okay? 
Now, you put in all his offense, right, and his defense, right, and at his peak when he was averaging five assists a game, and you compare it to Nikolai Jokic, right? I know the analytics guys will say, hey, you know, well, look at his defensive win shares and look at his defensive rating, Nikolai Jokic. Nikolai Jokic is a great player, but people who understand the game don't come to me with that that analytics crap. I, I just I don't pay attention to it because at the same time, David Robinson is not getting taken out of the game when it's crunch time and he has to play defense. David Robinson is very versatile. He is a gazelle. Okay. And I don't think you've seen too many people at his size run the floor the way that he runs the floor. He's seven one. Now he was probably listed at 230, 235. But back in those days, they never altered their weight after they got into the to the league. Most of them stayed with the same weight as when they got into the league. David Robinson, probably at his peak, was about 265, maybe, maybe 270. Now, you go and look at pictures of him, he was huge. He was absolutely huge, okay? And for him to be able to have the touch that he has, be able to handle the ball the way that he does, be able to weigh the shoot from the mid-range, pass, okay, and score, that puts me saying that David Robinson is better than Nikolai Jokic. And I didn't think that was going to be a question, but apparently it was. And one of the last things that I was saying before I got interrupted by my daughter is the defensive end, okay? You have somebody, David Robinson, a lot of people don't consider defense when you're talking about a player in comparison to a player, okay? I don't think there's any amount of offense that could outweigh if someone is not good on defense, okay? Now, I'm not saying Nikolai Jokic is is not good on defense, but I'm saying there's no amount of offense that is going to outweigh someone defensively, okay? Now, this, David Robinson is just as impactful on the offensive end as Nikolai Jokic. If you don't believe me, go watch the way that they played in 1989-1990. Go watch the the change record-wise. Now, I know they added Terry Cummings to the team as well, but the Spurs were a 22-win team, 24-win team, something like that, before they got David Robinson. And guess what? The next year after they got David Robinson, a 50-win team. 50-win. You want to talk about someone who's impactful? David Robinson is impactful. And it wasn't just because of his offense. It was because he was feared when people were trying to go to the basket. He was an intimidating presence defensively. He could move his feet laterally. And he can defend with the best of them. So when you talk about someone who can have an impact just as much as Jokic on the offensive end and three times as much as Jokic on the defensive end, then that's who I'm going with. So anybody else who I hear that makes up this ridiculous, ludicrous statement, Jokic is better than David Robinson ever was, then that just tells me you never watched a game of basketball and you didn't watch David Robinson. 
And last but not least, we have players to watch from the past. Um, <clears throat> some of the people, and I brought this up during the first episode of my um, podcast, um, some people who are Jordan fanatics, um, some people who are Pippin, um, I'm sorry, Pippin fanatics and Jordan haters and LeBron apologists, okay? They're not going to like this, okay? One of the players that I, I, I need you to watch is Derek Harper. Derek Harper, okay? Now, Derek Harper played for the Dallas Mavericks for, I think, about 11 or maybe 12 years. Um, then he went on to play for the Knicks for um, a season. I think he played for the Orlando Magic after that. Um, once Penny Hardaway got injured, they signed uh, Derek Harper to play the point guard position. Um, and at his peak, Derek Harper was averaging about 19 to 20 points a game at his peak. But the things that Derek Harper brought to a team were not something that usually showed up in the stat sheet. He was an intelligent basketball player. He defended well. He played well. Um, if you want to see some of some of his greatest games, okay, um, I'd say go look at the the Denver Nuggets series when he played for. I'm, I'm sorry, Denver Nuggets, the Dallas Mavericks series when he played for um, when he played up against the Lakers in the conference finals when they took the Lakers to seven. Go watch his game, um, game four. He had 35 points in that game. He was just effective in all facets of the game, okay? He was he was finding people. He was attacking the basket, make getting people to make the extra pass. That game was just something I, I, I love to watch, and it's a different type of basketball. It's... It, it they're moving the ball they're they're not shooting a whole bunch of threes so if you want to appreciate that game and watch that game i think you should also another game of Derek harper's that you should watch um game six of the the um western conference finals in 1988 now he didn't shoot particularly well in that game he didn't play great in terms of you know, scoring, but he, he did a lot of other things. Again, he was finding people. Again, he was pressuring Magic Johnson defensively all over him, okay? Forcing Magic into tough shots, okay? that That's what Derek Harper did, um, and he did it well, okay? Now, the reason why I say LeBron fans and other people aren't going to like this is because Derek Harper was traded to the Knicks in 1993-94 season. Now, once he was traded to the Knicks, okay, once he went to the Knicks, they never lost to the Chicago Bulls at all during the regular season. Not once. Not once. The Bulls had beat them a couple times before, but not once had they beat the Bulls, I mean, had the Bulls beat the Knicks when Derek Harper got there. Now, like I said before, we want to talk about impact. We want to talk about impact. We want to talk about impact, okay? Now, the Chicago Bulls were down two games to none, okay? 
Derek Harper, I repeat this like I said before, Derek Harper gets ejected in game three, suspended in game four, and game five. And now here we have a series that should have been 3-0 maybe, is now a 2-2 series off of Derek Harper not being there. Now, no, I'm sorry, not a 2-2 series, 3-2 series, okay? 3-2, the Knicks pull off a squeaker where everybody complains that Scottie Pippen didn't get that foul, and that was the reason why they didn't win the series. But again, no one talks about Derek Harper being suspended in game four, five, and ejected in game three as making an impact, okay? Now, once Derek Harper starts again in game seven, Guess what happens? The Knicks win again. And that's usually what has happened. Derek Harper starts, plays his normal minutes, and the and the Bulls lose. Because that's how impactful Derek Harper was to that New York Knicks team. Now, people are going to say, well, he didn't really score a lot in that game. He doesn't have to score a lot, right? When you have him in the game as opposed to someone else who's starting in the game, like maybe say a Hubert Davis who doesn't defend well and you go directly at him or even Greg Anthony who's not as good a defender as Derek Harper, that poses problems. We saw it. We saw it in the Miami series. Relating it to today, we saw it in the Miami series. And the Celtics series. Marcus Smart got injured. What did Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat do? They went right at Peyton Pritchard. Now, the Bulls moved the ball a little bit. So it wasn't just like they were going directly at a player. But certain things that Derek Harper does defensively, certain things that he sees defensively, certain things that he the way he captains defensively when you don't have that on the floor it makes a major impact now like i said Derek harper one of the players that you need to watch people who won't like the fact that i brought up Derek harper tough tough nuggies for you because i watch the game of basketball i study the game of basketball and these are the things that you pay attention to when you're watching all the time Okay, this has been another episode of One in a Million. I thank you again. I am your host, Roland Million. Uh, Enjoy the, the Dallas Mavericks and Golden State game. We will see whether or not Dallas Mavericks has no quit in them and they decide to push it to a fifth game. Um, and go Celtics. I see the Celtics winning game five in dramatic fashion with a probably a four-point win, kind of like the 1993 Bulls versus the Knicks. A four-point win in game five, then they close it out at home in game six. All right, have a good one, folks.
freestyle Cause I'm about to transmit into some funkiness Can you get with this? Say, push, boom, yes uh, They ask me if I'm nasty They ask me, they beg me too Like Oshkosh, we gosh, Oshkosh Suck the cocks, ass, it's miss, it's oh shit I get smashed out, get it, get it I'm with it, with it, if you with it Oh shit, then let's split it Into a 20 sack And I'ma be back with my boy Craig Mack Like that it's alright. 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 It's alright.